Welcome back to Aliyah Yomi. Today we're going to be learning Tazria Rishon, the first Aliyah in Parshas Tazria. Our Aliyah is 13 Sukkim long, running from Perik Yud Beis Pasuk Aleph to Perik Yud Gimel Pasuk Hey. There are 67 total Sukkim in our Parsha as a whole. Our Aliyah is 13 of those Sukkim. It's worthwhile noting that most of our Parsha is Perik Yud Gimel, the 13th Perik in Meseches. Uh, in, in Sefer Vayikra. What is interesting is that Perik Yudbeis deals, it was a very short Perik over here at the very beginning of Aria, which deals with childbirth, and there afterwards we start hearing about Tsarais, which is this spiritual disease, which is described for the rest of the parasha. We're going to focus uh, on the first part, already the Perik Yudbeis part of it, which is the childbirth aspect of it, and then we're going to move on to the Tsarais and the coming Aliyahs, which there'll be plenty to talk about. So a basic overview of our Aliyah is we hear about when a woman will have a child, if she has a male child, then for seven days she'll be in a state of impurity, and then on the eighth day there will be this circumcision for the boy, and there afterwards there'll be 33 days of purity. That means to say even if there is any bleeding, that is bleeding which is Yemei Tahara, which is pure days of purity. Um... Then um, we hear about if it's a dekeva, if it is a girl who is born, then the pure period of impurity is double and the period of purity is also double. So it's 14 days of impurity and it's 66 days of purity that continue afterwards as well. This is a description of the process of childbirth and the carbonos necessary to be brought afterwards. One is a carbon ola and one is a carbon chatas. One is a um, a burnt offering and one is a sin offering as well. We then hear, start hearing about a person who gets on their skin some sort of d- disease, whether it's a, um, it's a ace or sapachas or a heres, different, uh, different forms of splotch or risen or a risen area or a, uh, a different type a different type of spot. We'll discuss some of those details later on. And then this person comes to the coin and presents his case in front of the coin. The coin will examine it, and if it in fact has a particular shade of, of white, or if it's a particularly deep looking thing the coin will lock the person up and them see them after seven days we'll, we'll discuss those in more greater detail in the coming alias what we're going to focus on right now is a few basic points number one is what is the sequence of the parashias why is this parasha right here right now so it is interesting to note that um, that Rashi quotes a medrash in the name of Rabbi Simlai, who says a very important idea, and that is Kashem shel Adam Achar Kol Just as the creation of humanity was the capstone of creation, it came after all the other creations, all the other animate objects. That's why the Torah, the laws pertaining to the human beings, after the animals and birds. Um, so that makes sense. That's why we discussed the purity and impurity of animals in the previous parasha. Now we talk about the purity and impurity of human beings. First in the, the idea of childbirth, then we're going to see through saras, and then we're going to discuss other impurities and impurities of human beings. A few basic questions to ask, and that is, is this is, seems to be an interesting, you know, the laws of purity and impurity of human beings seem to be important laws, but are they really called Torah Adam? They're the laws of the human being. Is that really what governs that? That's that's a hallmark characteristic of what a human being is, is the way they become pure and impure. Is that really a, 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 a correct, we'll call it reflection of their um, of their essence at all. So it comes down to perhaps a, a very basic idea, and that is is the following. Let's think about an animal. Is an animal pure or impure? Is it tame or tahar? Well, the answer is it depends what kind of animal. Certain animals, let's say a cow, is a behemoth tahara, is a pure animal. Certain animals, let's take a lion, is a pure animal. It is a behemoth tamea. 
no matter what you do to a lion, it will not be able to be eaten. A, a cow can be rendered inedible in by shooting it, or by if it has a terminal disease. But actually, but if one shechts it, it would be considered a behematore. Intrinsically, it is a, it is a pure animal. Now the question becomes is, what about the human being? Is a human being pure or impure? And the answer is it depends. It really depends on when, what. They can put themselves in situations in which they can become impure. They can put themselves in situations where they can extradite themselves from that impurity and become pure again. That means to say that a human being is dynamic as opposed to an animal. An animal is fixed. A human being has the ability and capacity to change. A person can go to the mikveh. A person can go through the process of the ashes of the poradimah to purify themselves. They can put themselves in the oil amase, in the, the, the place and the location which will make them impure. It all depends on what they do. Therefore, in a certain sense, the laws of purity and impurity about animals and about human beings actually is pretty reflective on the difference and the distinction between what they are in essence. The human being in their creation was after the animals to distinguish them from the animals, and so to their Torah, their purity and impurity also comes afterwards to distinguish, which is why Pashas Tazria follows Pashas Shmini, which talks about the laws of the of the animals and their purity and impurity. Now we start talking about human beings who can choose to be in situations and choose to leave those situations. Another important point to think, a very spiritual point to contemplate in earlier, is the notion that there are two words used to describe the process of childbirth over here. Isha ki sazria, from the word zera, which means seed, conception. Yolda ozachar, and she gives birth to a child. It's worthwhile noting, as the Orachim al-Koresh points out, that there are two stages of the human creation process. There is the conception, that is when the initial creation of the, of the biological cell, two cells meet each other and are able to start splitting and create a human being with information embedded into the DNA that's of those cells. Um, and then there is the, the birthing process, which is nine months later. The Orachim al-Koresh points out that the um, there's a significance, obviously, in the human world given to the birth process, but there's also a great significance which is given to the conception process as well. And the Orachim HaKadosh describes that there's a spiritual creation process which is at the beginning as well, which is why we'll see things in the Gemara that at the time of conception, thoughts that are had by people are essentially are essential to the spiritual formation of that child that will be as well. Orachim HaKadosh talks about, in fact, how it is when it describes when Avram and Sarah pre their birth of uh, of their first child Yitzhak, it describes how when they went on their journey in the beginning of Pashas Lech Lecha, it talks about nefesh asher asu b'charad, the souls they made in Haran. What does that refer to? So we understand, we typically understand it about Rashi's interpretation that it refers to all the people that they brought closer to monotheism. The Rachel Hakadosh suggests another possibility, and that is that although they did not have the yolda, they did not have the end of the process of having a child out of any of times that they were together as a husband and wife, nonetheless there were souls which were created through that. That's the nefesh asher asubacharad, that conception even without the outcome of the process of yolda is very significant, and certainly even more so in the case where there is at the end of the process which is birth. So it's a very important point that Judaism does not take this whole process to be something which is simply a place of entertainment and pleasure, but it is rather actually a very sacred, a very holy process with which one's thoughts are significant in the formation, the spiritual formation of the souls that come to this world. Very important to understand this comes from our Aliyah. 
Another question to, or point to ponder is what is the significance of Brismen? I hear what you hear about the focus of Brismen. The Medrash Tanchuma quotes a very, very important story here. In the beginning of Parsha, it's a discussion we had between Tinius Rufus, which is um, as described in the Medrash as Tunus Rufus, and, um, and Rabbi Akiva. So Tunus Rufus says, who are better? Whose actions are better? The actions of human beings or the actions of God? He thought Rabbi Akiva was a very from Jew and he would answer him by saying, of course, God's actions are great. So Rekiva actually disappointed him by saying the actions of human beings, Basar of Adam, flesh and blood. Um, he said, well, 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 surely can a human being ever create the, the earth and the, and the heavens? And Rekiva said to him, well, actually there is uh, that, that, that uh, tell me something which is in the realm of the human beings to, to, to create. Um, and uh, so he says, well, you know, I was going to ask you, what about Brismina? Why about circumcision? Meaning, God created the human being perfect, and then it comes along the Jewish people and say, "Well, we're going to make this a little amendment. Who's better? You think you 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 can do better than God on the human being on the human form?" So Rebekah says to him, "Well, take bread. Do you prefer bread or wheat? What's better, the manufactured product or the raw wheat, which is unprocessed?" So uh, what Rebekah was essentially saying to Teres Rufus is that yes, God did make the world somewhat imperfect because He was inviting a human being into the equation to help make it more perfect. God made the world 97% complete, but he allowed the 3% for the human beings to take that. And that is the sign given to this little baby at birth, is that you're going to continue God's creation. You're going to continue the process because God wanted it to be that you're part of that process as well. Now, one of the important questions in Aralia to focus on is the period of purity and impurity. Why is the period of impurity and purity for a girl double that of a boy? Shrev Hirsch points out that it seems to be very clear that the period of impurity after childbirth for a boy, which is at the very least seven days, um, today, of course, it's a little bit different than as is described in the raw Torah. And the Torah Shabbat Shabbat requires going through the sugyas and understanding how Yemei Tara work today. But be it as it may, just in terms of just looking at the actual very clear text over here and just what it says over here, it sounds like there's seven days, 33 days for a boy and then 14 days and 66 days for a girl. So why is it double? So the Rav Hirsch points out, it seems that the days of impurity for a, or the birth of a boy um, are ended or capstone by the eighth day, which is the Brismilla. So Rav Hirsch reasons that therefore, in a case where there is um, a girl that's born, there's no brisbane, there needs to be a double a double period. Why is that? So he points out that tumor, of course, is not about something which is physically unclean or or, or uh, some sort of physical deformity. We're talking about a spiritual, what called moral vacuum. There's, 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 there's something which is, it's almost like the, there's, there's a vacuum in this world of godliness, of holiness in this state. And that can be corrected by uh, for a boy when the circumcision is done to that boy because there's a certain sense of a spiritual mastery of the physical and material being, the prowess and the being. That can amend that. But when it comes to a girl and that amendment is not made, then the purity, the purity or the impurity process is doubled because it's not just for the mother, it's for the child as well. The second set of seven days of impurity is a function as of the child's experience of it, not just the mother's of this, of this period of this vacuum. Um, it, it is worthwhile noting that that one way of looking at Tuma and Tyra is the vacuum of um, of creativity, of the possibility of creativity. And um, at this point in time, that's why Aviyah Voisa Tuma, the, the most centralized expression of Tuma is a dead body. Um, and so in this particular instance, um, where we talk about over here, where there's this, this sort of there's the birth of life, but there's at the same time there's the loss of capacity of potential creativity. Well, that's doubled when it comes to the creation of a little baby girl, because now, since the baby girl 
inherently has a higher level of potential um, holiness because of the ability biologically to create more. Therefore, there's a greater void of Tumah remains after her birth. So because of the higher capacity of contributing, of creating more life, the greater void at the beginning over here as well, which explains the double Tumah and the double Tahara as well. A lot to think about, a lot to appreciate in this very complex topic. With this, we conclude the first Aliyah of Parashat Tazriya.